they made sure to get on out of there. They didn't want to hear, uh, have to hear me speak uh, for uh, bore them to death. Um, but it's good to see you all here. Um, it seems like spring is finally here to say. Uh, to stay. We're now after Easter, and uh, if you look in your 10-day forecast, every day will be above 50. Uh, we finally uh, have our last snowbirds uh, in town with us, uh, so it looks like spring is now really finally here, and I'm glad to hear that because winter stayed with us a little longer uh, than I personally uh, would have liked. Um, as I like the warm weather, raise your hand if you, if you prefer the warm weather. Yes, uh, the majority of us. So I'm sure you all are glad to see the nice weather we've been getting. Um, I've gotten some nice work done outside our house because of the weather. We've been able to take Ezra to the park a couple of times in the past couple weeks, and it seems like everything is just looking up. We got a breath of fresh air, and with spring, it seems like we just got a new breath of air, a new new burst of energy uh, going in our direction, um, which is good. I love to see. Um, Today, uh, as we, uh, you know, kind of celebrate spring coming and the newness uh, of all the plants and the newness of life, uh, today we're going to start a brand new uh, series, and it's entitled Being a Member of God's Church. And so throughout this series uh, and and talking about being a member of God's church, uh, we're going to talk about what exactly it looks like to be a member of God's church and specifically um, the expectations of being a member of God's church. Um, And so in the following weeks after today, we'll talk about constant prayer and how members of God's church, they, they need to be constantly praying to the creator of the heavens and the earth. We'll be talking about reading your Bible and how we as members of God's church, we need to be digging deep into God's word on a daily basis. Faithful attendance, you know, we we, uh, are... We have the brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family, and uh, that's uh, a wonderful blessing, and we need to take advantage of that and being faithful in our attendance, uh, tithing and regular giving, um, probably uh, the talk that makes uh, me most uncomfortable, the talk that I uh, look uh, least forward to, um, uh, that you guys don't want to hear either, uh, but uh, it's an important part of the whole process. It's an important part of being uh, a member of God's church. Um, We'll talk about following the leadership of the church and following God and his son Jesus, talking about our spiritual gifts and uh, using those spiritual gifts and then living a godly life. And then finally, we'll talk about witnessing and and sharing this good news that we have with others. So those are all. That gives you a quick preview of the the topics that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks as we talk about what it looks like to be a member of God's church and specifically our focus will be on the expectations of being a member of God's church. And we're talking about being a member of God's church. I want it to be very clear that we're not talking about being a member of the North Hills Church of God. We're not talking about being a member of uh, the church down the road or uh, First Christian, whatever church uh, it we can talk about. We're not talking about those types of membership. We're talking about being a member of the overarching church, the church of God, God's church. 
is I believe uh, with, with all of my heart that here at North Hills, we, we do help. We, we encourage you guys uh, to be an active member of God's church. But we need to realize that here at North Hills, we, we serve as a stepping stone. We, we serve as a launch pad. We, we are not the end goal. Being a member here at North Hills, that, that is not the end goal. Really, that, that's just the beginning. That's to help you, propel you to be an active member of God's church, the overarching church of the world. And I hesitate uh, to say this um, because I know someone um, is uh, going to uh, mishear me or misinterpret me, Um, uh, but for me personally, I don't really care a whole lot if you are an official member here at North Hills or if you are an official member um, at a church down the road or wherever it may be, because again, what's important is that we all belong to God's church the overarching church. And so again, when we're talking about being a member of God's church, we're not talking about this one particular church here at North Hills. We're talking about the grand scheme of things. And so today, as we introduce this new series, Being a Member of God's Church, we're going to do three things today. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to clearly define God's church Number two, we're going to take a look at its history to know where it, ha- where it comes from and where it is headed. And then finally, number three, we're, we're going to see how God's church functions as a whole. So number one, defining God's church. So we're going to make this as simple as possible. Um, in public speaking classes, uh, they come up uh, with the acronym KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. So we're, we're going to try to make it as uh, simple as possible. And so when we talk about God's church, we can break it down into two separate parts. We can talk about God's, as in God with an apostrophe S, and we can talk about the church. So let's start with the church. Let's go in reverse order here. So when most people hear the word church, they typically think of the church building. They, they, they think of the roof above us. They think uh, of the sanctuary. They, they think of the building that we are all in right now. When people hear the word church, that's still what I think of first when I hear the word church. And when you ask Google what the definition of church is, the first definition to pop up will read a building for public and especially Christian worship. So that's the first definition that you'll find online when when you ask what exactly is a church. They'll direct you to the building. But now to help us better understand what exactly church is, especially in the context of the Bible, we should know what the Greek word for church is. As the the, the word church uh, doesn't actually appear in the Old Testament, but the word church uh, appears in the New American Standard Bible translation. It occurs 109 times in the New Testament. And we have to be aware that the New Testament, the words that we read, they they weren't originally written in the English language, unfortunately. I wish they were. It it would have made life a lot easier for us English-speaking people. But the New Testament, it was originally written in Greek. And so the Greek word for church is ecclesia. And ecclesia refers to an assembly or group of people. So every single time that we read the word church in our Bibles, which is 109 times uh, in the New American Standard uh, Bible translation, they all occur in the New Testament. And so every single time that you read the word church in the Bible, it's referring to a people. Never does it refer to a building. Always a people, never a building. 
And so when we think about the church, especially when, when the Bible is our main source of information, it's the authoritative source of information in our lives, I think we should really define the word church around how the authors of the Bible used it. And again, it referred to a group or assembly of people. And so when we think of church, I would encourage you guys, we talked about uh, this before. I think this was the first sermon that uh, we had after uh, our little break from COVID and we met outside. We talked about how we are the church. We, the people, we are the church. And it takes a lot for, for us to, uh, you know, kind of shift our focus and how we think about the church. Because even to this day, after all this focus, when I think of church, probably the first thing that comes to mind is the building. Because that's just the way that uh, us English speakers refer to as, as the word church. I'm not sure when in history the word church went from uh, mainly referring to a group of people to a building. Um, but uh, whether for good or bad, that's uh, the society uh, that we live in today. But again, I, I would encourage us all when you think of the word church, think of a body of people. Think of a group or assembly of people as every single time that you read the word church in your Bible, it's referring to a group of people. So that's church. That's how we can define church. Church is simply, very simple, a body of people or a group or assembly of people. And now we're not talking about any church. We're talking specifically about God's church. And so the church belongs to God. The apostrophe there, G-O-D, apostrophe, yes, that apostrophe is a possessive um, apostrophe. I know this is simple, stupid, um, uh, but we need to make sure that we clearly understand that the church that we'll be talking about for uh, the, the next handful of weeks, it's all the church that belongs to none other than God. It's God's church that we are talking about. It's not my church. It's, it's not your church. It's not uh, the church, uh, whoever you want to think of. It, it, it's the church that belongs to God ultimately. And so that's, this is the, the definition. This is the term that we're going to be talking about in, in the next nine weeks. We'll be talking about what it looks like to be a member of God's church. And so when we say God's church, we're, we are referring to a group of people that belong to God. That's all we mean when we say God's church. We're, we're referring to a group of people that belong to God. So there we go. We, we, we clearly define, we, we kept it simple, stupid, who or, or what exactly is God's church? And, and so the next question that I want to answer is who exactly is this group? Who is the group of people that we are talking about? And to effectively answer this question, uh, I want to start all the way back from the beginning. So this is where we're going to take a look at the history of the church. And if you look through your scriptures, if you look through historic, different historical documents outside of the Bible, we can trace the beginning all the way back to the creation, and then shortly after the creation, Adam and Eve. That's the beginning that I want to start off here. So Adam and Eve, they lived in the Garden of Eden with God, and they had a perfect relationship with God. They belonged to God. They had a mutually beneficial relationship as God. He was relating. He was fellowshipping. He was loving with his creation. And Adam and Eve, they chose to belong to God. And so everything was perfect. God created the world. God created it good. Now, unfortunately, that relationship was broken by sin. 
And with sin came the curse of sin, and that's where we get death and pain and sorrow and, and, and so much more. Um, and so after that uh, relationship was severed, after that relationship was broken, mankind severely, and, and I mean severely, fell away from God. You know, we, we, we think that we are living in, uh, you know, some of the worst times. A lot of people have a narrow perspective. But God was so fed up with the people back then that God destroyed the whole earth with the flood. And he only saved one family, the family of Noah. We can read about that in Genesis chapter 6. So God, he had a perfect relationship with Adam and Eve. That relationship was broken due to sin. And then after some time, mankind, man, they, they did not care anything about God. They completely fell away from him except Noah and his family. So God kind of started afresh with, with, with the flood, and everybody else was wiped out except Noah and his family. Then after the flood sometime, God started new again with Abraham and his family. We can read about Abraham starting in Genesis chapter 12. And so God established a two-sided agreement with Abraham. A fancy term that we use in the church to talk about a two-sided agreement is a covenant. You probably heard the, the word covenant uh, a handful of times from me or one of your teachers, whoever, whomever it may be. But when we talk about a covenant, it's just a mutually agreed upon agreement. It's a, it's a two-sided agreement, a two-sided contract. And in this covenant or in this agreement that God established with Abraham, God told Abraham that, hey, if you obey me, if you follow me and follow my direction, which I provide for you, then I will bless you and you will be my chosen people. You and your descendants, they will be my people. So here is God's group of people. Here is God's church with Abraham. Really, really you can trace it back to Adam and Eve, but really it kind of starts afresh, kind of starts new again with Abraham. As Abraham, he had a number of offspring, even at an old age. Um, well, he himself didn't have a whole lot of kids, but then his kids had a number of kids, and his grandkids had even more kids, and all of a sudden, his descendants grew numerous, and God blessed him and his family, and long story short, Abraham's descendants were eventually referred to as the Israelites, as Abraham's grandson Jacob was later named Israel. And so they were known as the Israelites, and these were God's chosen group of people. You can read about this all throughout the book of Genesis, kind of where the origins of the Israelites. And again, these were God's chosen people. So in other words, this was God's church. As again, God's church is just a group of, a group of people who belong to God. And so I think we can trace God's church all the way back to Abraham and his family. And so all throughout the Old Testament, we see the Israelites were God's chosen people. And even though the Old Testament never used the word church, I think that's exactly what they were. They were exactly a group of people that belonged to God. And it's important to note that even though the Israelites were God's main chosen group of people, it's important to note that it wasn't exclusive just for the Israelites. I think of Daniel. Daniel brought the, the faith of God. Daniel brought this faith to Babylon. I think of Jonah, who brought this faith over to Nineveh. So the Israelites were definitely the focal group in the Old Testament, but it was not 
exclusive. Anybody could have had this mutually, mutual relationship with God. It was not exclusive to the Israelites. But then when we get to the New Testament and we get to Jesus, Jesus really opened things up um, a good bit more. Jesus declared this idea of belonging to God was for all people. It wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles as well. It was for the rich and the poor. It was for the white and the black. It was for all people. Everybody could belong to God. And Galatians chapter 3, verse 29 reads, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So here Paul states, Paul is, is agreeing with the sentiment of Jesus. He's saying, if you belong to Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, then you are an heir according to Abraham's promise. What that means is that you belong to this family that Abraham established in this family was God's chosen group of people. And so Paul says that if you are a follower of Christ, then you are a part of God's chosen people. Or another way we can refer to it is you are now a part of God's church. As with Jesus, things open up exponentially. And so Jesus and his followers, they made it clear that anyone could be a part of God's church. And after Jesus died, his followers, they carried the torch. This movement of people who believed in God and mutually agreed to belong to God expanded and expanded. The day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 really kick-started this movement after Jesus died. A lot of people, when they look at the origination of the church, they uh, look at Acts chapter 2 as kind of being the start of the church. But as I stated earlier, I think you can trace all the way back to Adam and Eve and Abraham as well. But after Acts, Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost and the apostles spreading the word, it really was spreading like wildfire. More and more people were belonging to this group of people who ultimately belonged to God. Or in other words, more and more people were becoming a part of God's church. And so after the apostles died and the, the people who followed Jesus, after they died off, um, the uh, church, unfortunately, got really mixed in with the Roman um, government and uh, under the influence of the Roman government and Roman politics is where the church came up uh, with doctrines um, like the Trinity, um, which it's always dangerous uh, to align uh, doctrines that uh, to align ourselves with doctrines that were put in place under influence of Roman politics. I think politics should stay out of how we form our doctrines and our teachings. I think uh, our main source of information, again, should come from the Bible. But again, they got mixed in with Roman politics, and it got very messy. Um, but even then, the church continued to spread. More and more people belonged to God. And throughout all of history, there, there were some highs of God's church, and there were some lows throughout the history. But here we are today. Today in the year 2021. And God's church has spread throughout most of the world. Started off kind of just one little family, Abraham and his family. But today in 2021, the people who belong to God has spread throughout most of the world. And so groups of people who are obedient and mutually agree to belong to God, they are the church. 
And so that's the history. That is how God's church has gotten to this point. And that can help us determine where this church is headed. But to help us know exactly where God's church is headed, we can read from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. We're just going to read one verse. Daniel chapter 7, verse 18, talks about our future, future and being members of God's church. And, And Daniel writes, But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. Yes, forever and ever. And so I don't want you guys to get hung up on the term saints there. Um, That's just another way to uh, refer to the group of people who belong to God, God's church, the people who are obedient to God. And here Daniel, Daniel says that if we are followers of God, if we belong to God, then guess what? That we are going to possess God's kingdom forever and ever and ever. There will be no end to it. Now, this is kind of like the punchline. This is why we want to be a, a member of God's church. Because if we are a member of God's church, let me tell you, the future is bright. Because if you belong to God, then you're going to possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. And we know that the kingdom is a place where everything wrong with this world, including death, will be made right. It's something that none of us want to miss out on. And that's what we have in store for us in being a member of God's church. And so we, we, our focus throughout this series isn't really going to be trying to motivate us to be a member of God's church because we should have all the motivation in the world. We do have that. Because we know that if we are an active member of God's church, then we will partake in God's coming kingdom, the center of our hope as Christians. And so that's the history and that's the future in being a member of God's church. So we defined what God's church is. We looked at the history of God's church. We looked at the the, the future of God's church. And finally, I want to talk about the organization of God's church, how God's church functions as a whole. Because right now, ultimately, the church belongs to God. But God, he's a generous God, and and God, uh, he is a God who delegates responsibilities, um, in uh, our North Hills Motivation video that this past week, uh, we, we talked about delegation and how Moses, he delegated a lot of the responsibilities that he had. Well, God, he delegated as well. And God delegated many of the responsibilities that he had over to his son, Jesus. And we can read about this in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll read verses 20 through 23, talking about how God has delegated this authority and responsibility over to his son, Jesus. And so Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, that he, he being God, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, and not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
So here Paul says in this section, starting in verse 20, that first off, it was God who raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus wasn't able uh, to resurrect himself from the dead as uh, he was dead. He, he, he had no power. He had no life in him. And so God raised Jesus from the dead. He's the first fruit of the resurrection. And God raised him from the dead. And God placed him in the heavenly places where Jesus right now is sitting at the right hand of God. And God gave Jesus far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. So after God raised Jesus from the dead and Jesus now sitting at the right hand of God, God gave Jesus all power, all authority and dominion over everybody, over anything that has a name. Jesus has dominion over. Jesus has authority over all of us. And not only in this age, but Paul says also in the one to come. So not only in this present evil age, but also in the age to come, the hope of our coming kingdom. And Paul summarized it kind of in verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave them as head over all things to the church. And so God has placed Jesus in charge of the church as God has placed everything in the jurisdiction of Jesus. Everything is under the the rule and and authority of Jesus. You know, I kind of like to think the organization of the church very similar uh, to how a sports team is, is run and organized. I think especially of an NFL team. You have the owner. The owner is in charge of everything. Everything falls on their shoulders as they are the owner. They, they own the team, and, uh, but ultimately the owner, they're busy. They, they manage their other business. They don't have time to manage um, a football team. And so the owner of a football team, they'll go and they'll delegate many of the responsibilities over to a general manager and a head coach. And those general manager and head coach, they pretty much have all the control over the team. They decide who's on the team. They decide what the team does. But the general manager and head coach, they still have to report to the owner. But now the general manager and head coach, they have authority over all of the different position coaches and they have authority over all the other players. And and that's very, very similar to how the church is organized and functions. Because in this example, God is the owner. As God owns all things, God owns the church. But now God has delegated that responsibility over to his son. So if you, if you follow sports, you can think of Jesus kind of being like the general manager or the head coach uh, uh, of this church as God handed that authority over to him. But ultimately, Jesus, he still has to answer to the owner. He still has to answer and report to his heavenly father. But that general manager, that head coach, they still have responsibility over everybody else. And so Jesus, even though he has to answer to his father, even though Jesus is subordinate to his father, he still has authority over each and every one of us. As we, we fall in kind of like the position coaches or the players, that's where we come into this picture. As we had to answer to God ultimately, and, but God handed uh, uh, the, the authority, the, the power over to his son, Jesus. And so that is how God's church functions. God is in charge of all, but God has delegated 
many of those responsibilities over to his son. And so we, if we want to be a member of God's church, then we better follow our leader. We, we, we better listen to what our leader has told us throughout God's word, the, the, the words that we have recorded today in the 21st century. That's crazy that we still have access to the words of Jesus. And so that's how the church functions. So in summary, everything that we talked about today as we introduce this idea of God's church, we define God's church as being a group of people who belong to God. And we look at the history of God's church, we can trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve, or you can kind of retrace it back to Abraham and his family as well. And then through the Messiah, through the Christ, through Jesus, the opportunity to belong to God was opened to everyone. It was opened to us where we have an open invitation to be a member of God's church. And if we are a member of God's church, then we will possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. That's what the future holds for every single member of God's church. And then finally, if we want to be a member uh, of this group of people, we have to understand how it all works. We have to understand how it functions. And that's God has all power, God has all authority, and he handed that authority over to his son, and so Jesus has authority over each and every one of us as well. And we get to get our hands dirty. We, we get to do the work that our Lord has assigned for each and every one of us. And in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about what that work looks like. We're going to talk about the expectations of being a part of this awesome membership, this membership of being a member of God's church. You don't want to miss out. But just like any other membership in the world, there's expectations. There's expectations. You you need to hold up your side of the agreement. As God established that covenant, that two-sided agreement with Abraham, and we can be an heir to that promise, to that covenant, but we had to hold up our side of the agreement. And so in the meantime, before we reflect on all of the expectations that we have in being a part of God's church, I would just encourage you guys to think about all that has gone into place, everything that has happened to get us to where we are today. A lot of people laid their lives down for the church today. A lot of things have happened in the past, but the future is so, so bright. So reflect where we are in this beautiful grand plan of God's church, of being a group of people who belong to God. And I look forward to talking with you all as far as what it looks like exactly to be a member of God's church. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for uh, this day. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for your church, uh, the group of people who belong to you first and foremost. Father, I pray that we as a body of believers here, Father, I pray that we are obedient to you and to your son and that we can partake in the future um, promises of members of your church and that we can experience an eternity in your coming kingdom. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.